If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Let us be in prayer together. It's happening, Holy One. Just one or two trees, but still, it's happening. The leaves are turning red and yellow and orange. And we don't know what to call it exactly because what do you call something that is ablaze? But of course, this is one of the ways you call out to us, beckon us, filling us with wonder. Halloween is still a few weeks away, but the little ones are starting to wear their costumes everywhere, even in the middle of a pandemic. Yesterday, a miniature Wonder Woman and a tiny Spider-Man were protecting the cereal aisle in the grocery store. They zigged and zagged between grocery carts with the kind of agility only possible when one's bones are still part rubber, and their delighted squeals warned us of the danger lurking behind the instant oatmeal. We stopped and stared at them, the rest of us. We couldn't help it, even though just minutes before we were trying to get in and out of the store as quickly as possible, too busy to look anyone in the eye, for there were more errands to run and more arguments to win. But we just couldn't help it. Their play, their laughing, their delight set our hearts ablaze. But of course, they too are how you call out to us, how you beckon us. Caped miracles, these little ones, their superpower, the ability to stop us in our tracks and fill us with wonder. Oh God, that we would remember that they are ours, every single one of them, and our job is to make a world fit for them along with the ones trying to make their way here, hoping for refuge, and the ones huddling in cities destroyed by bombs sold to their country by our country, and the ones right here who in the land of plenty still don't have clean drinking water. May these growing wonders fill us with urgency, Holy One, lest the hour grow too late and the only wonder our children are left with is why we did nothing. We pray in the name of Jesus, who said, 
Let the little children come unto me, and do not stop them, for it is such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. Amen. The scripture lesson comes from Psalm 1 and Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 through 2 and 15 through 18. Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the Lord's law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And now Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And now verses 15 through 18. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin, you shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. When I first saw the lectionary's paired readings of Leviticus and the Psalms, my first thought was that the organizers of the lectionary were just worn out by the time they got to about a month before the end of the liturgical calendar, and they just stuck a couple of random texts together and trusted preachers to figure it out. Or they might have just assumed that we would ignore them altogether, which is what most preachers do with Leviticus, anyway. It contains some difficult and strange content. Perhaps these readings would make more sense if we always read all of the lectionary selections. It would give us more context, a better flow, and, and so on. And, and I would go into more detail about how the alternative first Hebrew Bible reading follows the complementary historical transition of thematically pairing the Hebrew Bible reading with the gospel, so it isn't really about the parallels between Leviticus and the psalm. But I can feel your eyes actively glazing over already. As I have already alluded to, Leviticus is challenging to preach from, for as theologian Samuel Ballantyne put it, how does one 
explain and apply a book that devotes seven chapters to the bewildering, if not seemingly bizarre, requirements of ancient Israel's sacrificial system, and five chapters to details of ritual impurity, including such indelicate matters as menstrual blood and semen. It is enough to make any parent not want their child to read the Bible, ever. And then there's Psalm 1. I mean, the Psalms are not always a cakewalk to preach from either, especially for those of us who have a more atheist theological perspective, given the Psalms' underlying assumption that life comes from the Creator, who also sets forth a moral order. Also, there's not really a storyline to the Psalms or interesting characters or, I mean, even with Leviticus, there's not birds and the bees discussion starters. It's almost as if we are asked to read from the book of Psalm and the book of Leviticus just so they can balance each other out content-wise. But as we look down from the metaphorical balcony at the biblical narrative, we can identify shared themes from the book of Leviticus and the Psalms, specifically the passages chosen as this Sunday's lectionary suggestions. But perhaps you are thinking that you do not want a lesson from the lectionary right now. Perhaps you are thinking that you prefer a rant, a letter to the editor, a takedown of the current presidential administration, something that stokes the fiery rage already burning in your body, rightfully connected to the injustice, the gaslighting, the showmanship, the choreography, the lying, the cover-ups, the shaming, the you name it, it's happened in the last three weeks, including the news that the president and what seems like half of the GOP contracted COVID-19. I'm willing to bet that we all know someone or actually are those someones who were happy to hear that particular news. As my colleague, Reverend Kaji Dosa noted, we best not be witness to the denial of justice at every turn and then shame folks for their prayers of imprecation, which of course we find plenty of in the book of Psalms. Imprecatory Psalms contain curses or prayers for punishment of the psalmist's enemies like Psalm 55, let death take my enemies by surprise, let them go down alive to the grave. Or Psalm 48, O God, break the teeth in their mouths. Or Psalm 69, may they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Or maybe you're sticking with Galatians. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. And if we're honest, we'll admit that even that is precatory light, flavored to taste with smugness. It also leaves no room for the reality that there are plenty of people who have taken every precaution and still caught the virus. So keep in mind that while the president probably isn't reading your social media status about people who have the virus, you, your neighbor who is grieving the COVID-related death of a loved one most likely saw it. So with all of that in mind, maybe we need to cool it with the hot takes. It's not that we shouldn't denounce evil and rage against injustice. This is vital. 
But instead of giving any more head and heart space to the known liar and cheat, or spending our energy coming up with pithy sayings, perhaps we would be better served by thinking about what got us into this mess in the first place, the complacency that brought us here, the disinterest, the inaction, the assumptions, the lack of connection, the ignorance. And this is where the Psalms and Leviticus speak to us, almost eerie in their directness. The history and context of ancient Israel play an important role in understanding both passages. In Psalm 1, post-exilic Israel, working to find identity outside of a nation state with a king of the Davidic line, looked to their traditional and cultic literature for answers to the existential questions, who are we and what are we to do? This is not too far from the questions we continue to raise as we ask in our weekly vigil for immigration justice, when did cynicism and cruelty to those most vulnerable become our nation's policy? What has happened to America's sense of decency and righteousness? How are we to correct our course? How do we become the people we should be, both communally and individually? The psalm gives us the answer for how. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord and on God's law they meditate day and night. The Hebrew word often translated as happy or blessed offers a formula for a life described as happy or blessed, a word which has become a bit of a hashtag, but is so much more than that. The Hebrew word often translated as blessed or Hebrew is not about how we happen to feel in any given moment, but rather is defined as action, to go straight, to advance, to make progress. Happy or blessed are those who make progress towards righteousness, our catch-all word for goodness, virtue, morality, and justice. As the text says, they are like trees planted by streams of water, which makes us wonder what our sources for sustenance are these days. What are we filling our hearts with? Pundits? Editorials? No wonder we're struggling. What if instead we drew from the wells of relationships, words, and work that edify? This holds true, too, for the text from Leviticus. The book focuses on the life and practice of all Israelites. Here are rituals to remind you of who you are and to whom you belong. This is indeed why, as the third book of the Bible, Leviticus forms the center of the Torah and is commonly used to introduce Jewish children to the basic elements of the Jewish faith. So, too, we can learn from it. We might imagine that the instructions included in chapter 19 are, in part, a response to the status quo injustices of the day, that the poor were ignored while the great given deference and vengeance was regularly enacted instead of mercy. 
and this is not unfamiliar to us, the best health care is available not to everyone, but to those who can pay for it. We are much more willing to associate with people who smell nice, who have more money than we do, who don't seem to struggle. We are happy to save a little money by paying our undocumented siblings a little less because, well, who will they complain to? And we're fine with loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, as long as they don't play their music too loud and keep their lawn mowed and don't park in the street. Our racism, sexism, and xenophobia aren't as loud or as obvious as others, at least not to us. So we think we have the moral high ground. But these texts practically beg us to reflect on how we contribute to the prevailing culture by how we act out all of the things we say we despise on the smaller stages of our own lives. Or, as St. Augustine warned, never fight evil as if it were something that arose totally outside of yourself. This may be one of the most helpful ways to think about the lectionary text this week for us to consider and then enact an alternative framework for living as people who know that things are not as they should be and who want to bring the world closer to God's vision of justice and peace. To put it in a more modern context, we might think of these texts as describing what Robert Frost did in his poem, The Road Not Taken, in which he writes, two roads diverged in the wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. We are inside a month from the November 3rd election. It is not too late to commit to shifting focus. Rather than losing our voice by screaming about all the ways everybody else has contributed to this current crisis and what they need to do in order to fix it, we can instead reflect on our own attitudes, our own actions, our own inaction, our own commitments, and the ways we have personally contributed to the way things are. It will be both humbling and sobering, yet it will also be enlightening and empowering because then we begin to change one thing, one thought, one spoken word, one step towards wholeness. These seemingly small changes are indeed what make all the difference. For as Gandhi taught us, we but mirror the world. All the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found in the world of our body. If we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would also change. This is the divine mystery supreme. A wonderful thing it is, and the source of our happiness. We need not wait to see what others do. So let us not wait, friends, for there really is no time to waste. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister 
at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.